In a world where people are famous for doing nothing, we're here to discover the ordinary individuals who take giant leaps to do something extraordinary. Welcome to Moving Forward. Welcome to this week's edition of Moving Forward. I am your host, Kristen Nepper, and today I am so excited to introduce our guest, Melody Fletcher. Melody is an energy coach and the author of Deliberate Receiving. I know you guys are going to get a lot out of this episode, but Melody, first, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really, I'm uh, really glad to be here. <laughs> so I was looking over deliberate receiving my copy of your book last night. It is dog-eared. It is highlighted. It is tabbed. There are words that are circled in the <laughs> highlights, and then they're you know written in the margin. My notes on what you had to say. It made such a powerful impact on me. But I wanted to ask first, how did you discover the law of attraction? Well, um, it, that's a little bit like asking, how did you discover gravity? You know, you just <laughs> okay, um, you realize that at some point just, it hit me in the head. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what was happening in my life, uh, I'm going to try to condense this as much as possible, but I've always been like this super duper workaholic, always been super duper driven. And I was in the corporate world and I was working 18 hours a day. And, um, and by all, you know, on paper, I was really successful. I was making a lot yeah. of money. I had a really powerful position. I was living in Barcelona, uh, you know, gorgeous apartment, gorgeous city, had this amazing life. And I was so killing myself. I had no time to do anything. I had no time to, to really, um, you know, engage in anything joyful. It was just all success, success, success. And that was not the first time I'd done that in my life. And that wasn't the first time that I learned that lesson. I'm a slow learner sometimes. Um, and so what <laughs> happened is that, you know, I started to feel really, really bad and, and my health started to kind of go south. And again, not the first time that happened, but this was the one that really taught me the lesson. And um, I had to lay off a whole lot of people um, that mm. I had personally hired and trained and and it was a little bit like killing my baby you know and all yeah. these corporate decisions that didn't make any economic or business sense I had to translate them and actually implement them and so that's the situation that I was in and so I was able to orchestrate my own layoff essentially I asked the company just go ahead and lump me in with the masses that were being laid off and for some reason, they didn't want to, but for some reason, they did it. It was all perfectly orchestrated by the universe. Uh, I didn't know that then. Um, and I had, over the years, always kind of stuck my toe into this metaphysical stuff and some channeling and that kind of thing. Um, but life always got in the way, and my job always got in the way, and ambition always got in the way. And, and so I had to learn that lesson over and over again before it finally stuck. And what happened when I got out of the corporate world is for the first time in my life, um, I made space. Mm. I actually sat down, did not just take a week off and go and recover from the worst of it and then jump right back into the fire. I actually sat at home for three months and did nothing and just recovered. And it was amazing. My body had to recover. All this fatigue came out, aches and pains. I mean, uh, you know, I just had to heal from all the stress I've been putting myself under for so long. And then I could finally hear that little voice inside me that had been speaking to me since I was a little child. And everybody has that voice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that had been whispering and screaming at me at different points in my life and I could finally hear it and you know no matter what people do no matter what techniques they want to use that's really what it's about is how do you actually listen to that voice 
And the biggest thing that you can do to do that is to just make space, is to take some time. The one thing that nobody's willing uh, or doesn't think that they're able to do. And so that was the most valuable thing that I did. I just kind of sat there and let it come out. And I started honoring that voice and started reading and started researching and started listening to different tapes and different channelings. And I was sitting there, and this didn't actually take very long uh, because I was so ready for it. I sat there one evening and I had something on in the background. I think it was an Abraham Takes tape. I wasn't really listening. And suddenly the penny just dropped. And it was like somebody gave me, a, a, you know, a peek and a, more than a peek under the hood. And I've always been a person who was very, very good at taking very complex matters, breaking them down and explaining them in ways that anybody could understand. That was always my gift. I did that in the corporate world. I was always involved in training initiatives, that sort of thing, because and, and could take very complex, prod, you know, technological um, um, programs and, and, and kind of bring them down so that the executives could understand them, right. you know, so the CEO could understand them. And, and we used to call it dumbing it down, but I don't want to say that anymore, <laughs> you know, so simplifying it simplifying, yeah? let's go with that. and, uh, and simplifying it. Yes. And, uh, and, and letting, you know, making it so that a lay person can understand it. And, uh, and so that was, you know, that, that that's not a coincidence that I have that gift. Right. And so when I was given this glimpse, it was at the same time, it was incredibly simple to me because all the solutions of the universe, and you can look at nature to, to prove this to yourself, are always simple and elegant. It's, always, it's not the most complicated solution. It's the simple, elegant solution in the end that is the best. And I was able to see it all, but I also understood that to try to explain it could be very, very complex. And so then I set out on a journey, really, just to, to, to delve deeper into this, to discover it. And I went to Peru. My intuition called me to Peru uh, and spent a month with a shaman in the jungle, uh, which just opened me up and opened me up to this voice inside me. Um, to a much larger degree, I always like to say it took me from a connection of a 1930s rickety telephone to fiber optic video conferencing. Mm, and my connection analogy. got so much stronger. And, and I was able to really hear that voice and not only bring it through myself, but uh, for myself, but also for others, which then still took some time. I had to practice that. And it was exhausting in the beginning. And it is a type of channeling. It's a type of energy translation. But I don't go into trance. I don't bring through an entity. I don't go anywhere. I just get really, really wise all of a sudden. Mm. Okay. And uh, and all I'm doing is I'm, I, I, I developed the ability because it I didn't really have a choice. It sort of just happened um, just sort of handed to me and said, OK, practice this. And I'm like, OK. Um, but uh, I developed the ability to really connect with people's higher selves and translate that energy to them through my own snarky, sarcastic style. Um, and, and, and I <laughs> love I it. I love, by you the know? way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the law of attraction really found me that way because for me, the law of attraction is part of the mechanism of how of the technology of how reality really works. Um, and that's how I explain it. Okay, so for our listeners who might be, maybe they've heard of the law of attraction, but they don't understand the details of it, can you explain what is the law of attraction? How does it work? 
Yeah, the law of attraction essentially is just one part of that technology, but it's a really important part. Yeah, um, it's kind of like your CPU and your computer. Like it's not going to run without it. Okay. And I use a lot of technology metaphors for the reason that hey, we're in the generation of technology, and people yes. get it. And te- the technology that we developed helps us to understand this stuff so much more easily. Yeah, and so. For me, the law of attraction is all about, it's the mechanism by which energy, when focused upon, grows. And that is so widely misunderstood because people kind of say, well, look, you know, I can sit here and say, if what you're staring at grows, then can everybody please, for the love of God, stop staring at my ass? Yeah. Because you're making it grow. Uh, No, but it doesn't really work that way because people have started, you know, they've misinterpreted that. And then they think, well, if I just think money, 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 I'll get money. Exactly. But what they don't understand is there's a missing piece to that that nobody talks about. And it's in my book. So I talk about it. But the missing piece is representational frequency. And it works like this. If you stare at an apple, that apple isn't just going to get bigger. Yeah, you can focus on it all day long. It's not going to get bigger. You're not going to suddenly have three apples because it's not its physical frequency. It's physical energy that increases. That's not the energy that we're talking about. The energy that we're talking about is representational energy, representational frequency. And that works like this. If you focus on something, let's stay with the apple. Yeah, Okay. that is going to evoke whatever it is you're focusing on. It's going to invoke something within you. It means something within you, and that means that it changes your energy, and it changes the energy that you are projecting. You are just a transceiver of energy. That means you receive and transmit energy, and the energy that you transmit out into the world gets mirrored back to you. So consider yourself sitting in a holographic room like the holodeck on the Star Trek Enterprise, and you're going to emit this energy, and it gets mirrored back to you in this holographic room. So what you focus on changes your energy because it represents something to you. And that is the energy that gets mirrored back. That is the energy that grows. That means that experiences are going to start to come into your reality, are going to get mirrored back to you that feel exactly like that apple feels to you. And that's the missing piece in the law of attraction that most people do not understand. Because you can't just think money, money, money. If money represents something negative to you, then thinking money, money, money may actually evoke more poverty in your life. It isn't necessarily going to bring more money into your life. Yeah. So this is why we say it's important for you to focus on what you feel. Yeah. And I know I'm going really fast here. No, but but essentially, yeah, it's what you're feeling, how it feels to you. That's your key to what it is that you're emitting and what it is that you're about to get more of. Yeah. And so if you focus on that, so in simple terms, if focusing on money makes you feel poor, then don't focus on money to get more money. You need to focus on something that makes you feel rich. Okay, so can I play out an analogy with you? Sure. Okay, so let's go to the apple. So if I'm looking at the apple, and that was my favorite food as a child, and it evokes these warm memories of being loved and nurtured and cared for and safe, then that is more of what's going to show up in my night in my life. Nurturing, safety, warmth, love, that type of thing. Versus if my mother used to force feed me apples, and I have a very negative connotation of anxiety and trepidation and that type of thing, that's what's going to show up in my life then. That's what you're saying. 
That's a perfect analogy. And what you just pointed out is so important is that these things are very unique, very personal, very subjective. Mm. And that means that nobody else can, you know, the symbol that works for you may not work for somebody else. Right. I like that. You know, just as you said, the apple may mean something positive to you. It may mean something negative to you. And from the outside, unless somebody can read your energy from the outside, nobody can know what that is. And this is why we think, you know, we look at somebody successful and we think, well, what is it that they did that helped them become successful? And then we think we can just copy that and then we can be successful as well. But it doesn't work that way because whatever worked for them, the symbology that worked for them, yeah, may not work for you at all. In fact, it may evoke, in this example, the opposite for you. Absolutely. So you have to take responsibility for your own journey and your own symbology and figure out what is it that you can focus on that will get you the results that evokes that feeling in you that you want. You can't really copy anybody else and you can't really judge anybody else's journey from the outside in because you don't know what anything means to anybody, what it represents to them. I love that. That's really cool. I wanted to talk to you too. One of, there were a couple of things in the book that really spoke to me and I wanted to ask you about them. So one was the hierarchy of emotions. I thought that that was very powerful. Could you debrief our audience a little bit on that? The same way, you know, symbols might mean something different to other people. You were saying that emotions are not necessarily good or bad and there is a rank order in which you have to accelerate. Yeah, I mean, emotions are not good or bad. You know, that's why um, I use the analogy of a number line um, in the book. And don't worry, we're not going to get super mathy here. But if you remember, <laughs> <Thank> mon- <God. laughs> if you remember a number line, you know, it can go from zero to if you go to the right, it goes plus one, plus two, plus three, plus four. And then to the left, it goes minus one, minus two, minus three, minus four, and off to infinity. And we call the minus one, minus two, we call them the quote unquote negative numbers. And yet no math mathematician is sitting there going, no, minus one is a horrible number. We right. hate you minus one. Yeah. <laughs> There's no judgment there. Uh, it's not a bad number. Yeah. Minus one is simply what it is. It's a representation. It's a, it's a term we use to say, this is where it falls on the spectrum. Yeah. Yes. And that's all it is. So when we're talking about negative emotions, we can assign them to this negative quote unquote side of the spectrum where the minus one, minus two, minus three are. But that's just a way of saying this is where they fall on the spectrum. They are not bad. We don't want to demonize them because ultimately our emotions are nothing but messengers. It's feedback and they are tenacious messengers. So when you're having an emotion, it is actually feedback letting you know which frequency you are emitting and what you're about to get back. It's the first bit of feedback that you get. And if it's a negative emotion, all that means is it's something that's not in line with what you want. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just not what you want. And since what you want is subjective, you can't really, I mean, people try, but it's not, it doesn't really work to say what I want is good and what I don't want is bad because guess what? The guy next to you may want something completely different. Absolutely. Yeah. So what you want is what you want and that's great for you. Yeah. But your emotions, again, it's a very personal feedback system, absolutely tailored just to you, nobody else. Everybody has their own that lets you know this is not in line with what you want. Not it's evil or it's good or it's bad or it's, you know, unwanted by the world and we should make laws against it. It's just (laughs) not what you want. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I liked in the book how you were saying, you know, if you're stuck in a realm of anxiety and depression, that anger is a step up because you're realizing that you didn't get there by yourself. And I, you know, that really gave a lot of of context to me that it's, you know, an incremental step out. And so anger might be a great breakthrough for some people, even though we might think of it as negative in a lot of connotations. We absolutely do. And this is where the hierarchy of emotions comes in. And and the reason why I broke it down this way is because, you know, when, when we start talking about your feelings are the key to all this and your emotions are what you want to pay attention to, well, how do you move from an emotion that's really, really unwanted, like depression, for example, yeah. to an emotion that's really, really wanted, like joy, which have completely different frequencies that are nowhere near each other. And so you want to do that incrementally. And so what I've done in the book is I've mapped that out to give people a roadmap from how to get from one to the other, because a lot of people who teach this stuff just kind of go, well, just feel better. Right. And it's, you know, like, how, I could, how, how I does would. that work? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so one of the biggest emotions that I do so much teaching on, and I'm so glad you brought it up because it's so important. And I really want people to get this, you know, it's make some space and then allow yourself to be angry. Anger is not a bad emotion. It's a really, really healing emotion. And here's why. It depends on where you're coming from in the spectrum. If you're in hope, which is a pretty good emotion, you don't want to be descending into anger. But if you're in depression and powerlessness, it's like this. It's like you're laying in the corner of a room and somebody is beating the crap out of you and you are just laying there in the fetal position and you're taking it. And you don't even think that there's anything you could do about it. You don't think you deserve to do anything about it. You're completely powerless. That's what depression is Yeah, in a nutshell. What anger does, it's the emotion that allows you to stand up and go, okay, screw this, no more, we're done here. I don't care if you got to step aside or I got to go through you, but I'm not doing this anymore. Mm. So it's actually a much more empowering emotion. Yeah, it's you being pulled towards empowerment, which is what this all is about, that entire spectrum. It's a spectrum of empowerment. Yeah, how to step into your power. It's much more powerful than depression, which is complete powerlessness. And it gets way better once you get through the anger on the other side of the anger. But how do you get through the anger? Well, not by suppressing it or ignoring it. You got to allow yourself to feel it and express it. And I do talk in the book very heavily and in all my work about the difference between a constructive anger release and a destructive anger release because most people are afraid of anger because all they've ever seen are destructive anger releases, which are born of suppressed anger. So it's like that pressure cooker's been put on the stove and at some point it's got to explode. And so somebody loses their shit. Punches a hole in the wall, punches somebody else, does something horrible, goes to jail, and most people go, oh, that's anger. That's not anger. That's suppressed anger, often generations of suppressed anger. But if you can take a healthy approach to anger and actually release it constructively, which is like slowly letting the steam – and actually not that slowly – but letting the steam off on purpose from that pressure cooker and then taking it off the heat, you don't get that explosion. It gets less and less and less. You don't have to go to anger management classes. Yeah? You actually have less anger and then you can start to feel a lot better. And I've been doing this for a long time and I have helped so many people have anger releases. I got to tell you, it is the most healing emotion. It changes people's lives, but most people have no idea how to do it constructively. So they're afraid of it. So they don't do it and they get stuck in that cycle of doom where, which is, I call this the cycle of doom, where you go from depression, powerlessness towards anger 
some of it squishes out because it has to, otherwise you're going to have an aneurysm or something. <laughs> but as soon as a little bit squishes out, you descend into guilt because, oh no, anger's bad. And you go right back to depression and you get stuck in this cycle that you can't get out of. And the way to get out of it is actually to go, fine, screw it. Going to be angry. Yeah. And to sit there. Yeah. And let it out. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, if you're enjoying today's episode, consider supporting the podcast. You can purchase a copy of the Corporate Clichés Adult Coloring Book or try out Amazon Prime or Audible using one of my affiliate links, which you can find in the write-up for any of the episodes at bemovingforward.com. You hit on a really important, a couple of really important points, but we're so afraid of our feelings. I think not even just the negative ones, but sometimes our very positive ones. And I've heard Brene Brown speak about this, that when you're really happy, you're like, oh, damn, what's about to happen? And you'll have this panic attack, like it's a luxury or you're not entitled to feel that good. But you had said something earlier where you're in the cycle of anxiety and depression because you don't think you deserve to be anywhere else. And I think that that is such an important point. People get stuck in this for years and generations because they don't think they deserve more. And the truth is that we all do and we've come to this planet because we do. Absolutely. The thing is, if you did not deserve to be here, you wouldn't be here. Right. Yeah. Creation does not make mistakes. Nature doesn't make mistakes. So the very fact that you exist should tell you that you are necessary. You are wanted. And if you are wanted and you're necessary, well, you're the necessity is not your suffering and your pain. It is what you uniquely bring to the planet. And what you uniquely bring to the planet equals, and this is the beauty of the system, equals your joy. So whatever mm. you find most joyful, that is the biggest contribution that you can make. The two are always the same. Isn't that a beautiful system? Isn't that wonderful? It's kind of like this nature-designed fruit, yeah, <laughs> to taste really, really good. And it tastes the best when it is ripe, which is also when it has the highest nutritional value. So you think about the perfection of that system. You don't have to be a nutritionist to know when something is nutritious. You just have to eat it when it tastes the best. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. And so it really is like that. You just do what brings you the most joy, what makes your heart sing, and that is you being at the height of, of bringing your perfect, unique gift to this planet, to this universe. You don't have to intellectually figure it out. Follow your joy. That is where it's at. And guess what? You don't have to suffer to get to your joy. The universe, I always like to say this, the universe is not an asshole. <laughs> yeah? You're not going to be following your joy and then suddenly you're going to get screwed and a flying pan's going to come out of nowhere and smack you in the back of the head. You will be supported in that. But the support comes in showing you exactly what is still within you that you are emitting, which energy are you emitting, which beliefs are you emitting. So if you are sabotaging yourself in some way, it's going to show up so that you can do something about it because the universe wants you to succeed. Yeah, always, always, it's always trying to give you gifts, it's always trying to help you succeed, but most people don't understand how that mechanism works, they misinterpret it, so something does not go the way that they expected it to, they don't understand what's happening, and then they think, oh, you see, I shouldn't have even tried, I don't right. deserve it, the universe doesn't want me to have it, or God, or whatever doesn't want me to have it, and we come up with all these cockamamie ideas about how something actually works that don't make any sense, like why would we set it up like that? Yeah. Right. 
Right. That's if we actually to if do. we actually try to dissect these stupid beliefs, you know, why would we set ourselves up to fail? And if we had set ourselves up to fail, if we didn't have all kinds of wonderful default mechanisms in place to make sure we succeed, we would have died out ages ago. Right. We certainly have tried to do it and yet we couldn't do it. Why not? Because the system is set up for success. I want to ask you about a point you hit on just a few minutes ago. You were saying the universe is not an asshole and that people get stuck like, oh, I should never have tried because I did try and it didn't work out. So can you talk to our listeners about precursors? This is one of the portions of the book that I have dog-eared and tabbed and written in the margin and highlighted (laughs) everywhere. And a lot of us get real, including yours truly, get really stuck there. So precursors are a type of manifestation. And one of the things you need to understand is that everything manifests on a progression. Everything's a progression. A tree doesn't just blink into existence. It grows. Yeah. Mm, The tides come in and go out and even the moon, you know, grows and waxes and wanes. And everything is a progression. So nothing just blinks into existence. Even if you think something has just showed up, it actually progressed which means that there were signs before it showed up. And before something manifests physically, there are signs, there are stages to that progression. And I break them down perfectly in a lot of detail in the book, but really, really, really quickly. um, Stage one is you focus on something. Stage two is your emotional feedback. We've talked about the emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Stage three are thoughts, memories, and ideas. People don't think their thoughts are a manifestation. They are. Yeah. Um, and so you, you, you start to manifest thoughts, memories, and ideas that feel the same way. So every, every stage of the progression after stage two is just an amplification of the emotion. So when you have a thought that feels a certain way, that's the frequency that you are building a progression of manifestation on. So what is about to come is going to be bigger than that and bigger than that. So if you don't like it, change it at that stage. Yeah. Stage four is synchronicities, which are small physical manifestations that are easy to dismiss what people think as of, of as coincidences. They're not coincidences. It's not a coincidence. Everything's a manifestation. And stage five are the physical manifestations and action. And it's important to understand that action falls at the back of that at the end of that progression because now you understand why trying to change your world through action alone is a little bit like trying to get healthy by putting vitamins in your poop it's too late <laughs> yeah it's a great analogy by the way so yeah so a precursor a precursor is a manifestation of, of an experience a physical manifestation something that has happened to you that has come in that is letting you know yeah what is what what you're about to get more of. Now, in some ways, everything's really a precursor because that progression just keeps going to infinity. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like a wave that just grows and grows and grows. But a precursor is a manifestation that um, is there to get your attention, to let you know, you know, is this what you want or do you want to fine tune it a little bit? So let me give you an example of this. Yeah. Yes. So let's say that you're wanting to work on a relationship and you've been working on feeling really, really good about men and you've been working on, you know, getting rid of your limiting beliefs about men and now you really like men and better and better men are showing up. And then an amazing guy shows up in your reality and you think, 
he's the one. <laughs> and then you get really stressed out because he won't ask you out. He's amazing. He's perfect. He's funny. He's got a great career. He's everything that you've wanted. Ticks all the boxes. And you're thinking, holy crap, how do I get him to ask me out? And then you try to make it happen through action instead of letting it happen. And you're wondering, well, the universe, is it just being an asshole? Is it just dangling this guy in front of me going, yoink, but not for you? Ha ha ha. You know, no, it's a precursor. And the fact that you're freaking out about maybe not being able to get with him, that's a manifestation too. And so these precursors come in to say, you are almost lined up with this perfection of a guy, with this perfection of a relationship, but look at how much fear you still also have. And that fear is keeping you from manifesting, not necessarily this guy, because you don't actually know if he's perfect. It could right. be a mass murderer and you don't even know it. Exactly. Yeah. He could be super boring. He could be bad and bad. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you're just assuming that he's perfect. Yeah. Because of what you can see, but you're only seeing a small fraction of who he really is. But you're seeing what you're seeing is what you're meant to see to get you to go, oh my God, I'm lined up with an amazing, amazing relationship, amazing, amazing guy. Yeah, he's a representation, but he's also come in, maybe because he's not the guy, maybe he is, maybe he's not once you get aligned, but what it's showing you is what's also still there that's interfering, which is all that fear. Because when you're truly aligned, you can go, him or someone like him or someone even better, I don't care, universe, I trust you. Mm. I trust that I will get what I want, but most people don't trust. No. So what happens is, Something better because they've done the work, so something better than they've ever had comes in, but oftentimes still missing some of what they also want, and they go, good enough, willing to settle, never seen anything so good, but it isn't actually yet what they really want. And they're too impatient to wait and see. Exactly. Like exactly. That. And here's the thing. You get to have what you want. So the precursor is often there to show you that, you know, just to what degree you're already aligned, but also to what degree you're not quite aligned and to give you a chance to fine tune and to release some more stuff. Yeah. And to change your perspective a bit. But a lot of people are not willing to do that because they say, well, it's the best I've ever seen. Well, of course, it's the best you've ever seen. Right. You're starting a positive progression. That doesn't mean it can't get better, but we don't trust that. We don't trust yeah? that. We're no, like, it's not right. bad. It's not bad. He doesn't live with his mother and he has all his own teeth. I'm willing to settle <laughs> for that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what's so hard about this, and that's why I wanted you to, to speak about it in such detail, is because, you know, the average American, we're taught to go to school, we're taught to work hard, we're taught to drive, we're taught to be in action. And these ideas of sitting in our own minds and meditating and imagining and feeling, being in touch with our feelings at all, and then to allow, these are novel, novel concepts in the Western world. It's big stuff, you know, um, but ultimately, and I, I can't stress enough, ultimately it comes down to a choice, Mm. Yeah, because if you think about it this way, you know, for me, physical reality is a game. Yes, it's a game. It's an important game. It's an amazing game. It's an awesome game. It's a very sophisticated game. But it's basically a virtual reality game. We're in this virtual reality game. And you have so much more power than you think you do. And your power comes through what you choose to focus on the perspective that you choose. And when you really, really understand this, and it does take practice and it does take a while, but it is your choice, then you get to choose which reality you step into. Well, then which reality do you choose? 
And a lot of people make that choice every day to choose the shitty, limited reality where they don't get what they want because it feels like too big of a risk to choose the awesome reality where they get everything that they want. Amen. But you got to make that choice. You got to make that choice. Yeah. And yeah. you, so you ask yourself, because when your brain comes in there, just because it's been trained to do this, not because it's an asshole either. It's not trying to sabotage you. It's been trained to do this. <laughs> yeah. It's like a computer program that's running and says, what if it doesn't work out? What if it freaking does? Ooh, I love that. What if you actually get everything you want? Why don't you spend a few minutes on that? I love that. You ask the best questions that really change the game. And I think I told you <laughs> earlier, you know, when you were talking about that specific example of trying to manifest big things and what if I want to go to Paris and all my self-talk is I don't have the money, I don't have a ticket, I can't do it. And that question, yes, but what if you did? Like those are such powerful yeah, and questions. What if none of that matters? Yeah. What if none of that matters? What if you've just decided that all of that matters and none of it matters and you get to go anyway? What if you just thought about that? What if you allowed yourself to? And boy, do we have reluctance to do that. Yeah, yeah. But that would, okay, that would feel good. But, but then I'll just be setting myself up for disappointment. Well, aren't you already disappointed? <laughs> What's the risk? Amen. Yes. I love that. It's so true. It's so, so, so true. Oh, that's so good. One of the questions I wanted to ask you just to learn a little bit more about your own journey. So what is one of the things that you are scared of doing now after you've accomplished so much and you've changed your perspective so greatly? You're afraid of still, but you're doing it anyway. Um, you know, this was such a, a surprise to me a couple of years ago. Um, I, I go down to Peru once a year, and, and I'm not saying everybody should do this. This is part of my journey. It's what resonates with me. If it does not resonate with you, please don't think that you have to go do this. But, you know, I Required I go work doing, with yeah. uh, plant medicines once a year, which is pretty hard core. Uh, um, but that's, you know, that's me. Um, and, and so I work with ayahuasca and San Pedro and have a friend in some, uh, in, 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 uh, um, Peru who's a shaman. And I've actually done a video with him on YouTube for those who are thinking, Hmm, that sounds interesting. I'd like to check that out. Um, so on my YouTube channel, you'll be able to find a, an hour long interview with my ayahuasca shaman. Very um, cool. and so I go down there and a couple of years ago, and I, in fact, I just got back, uh, less than a week ago. Um, um, from my, from this year's trip. Um, and it was phenomenal. And, uh, and it always, you know, breaks me open and it's very, very fast growth that I then integrate for the rest of the year. And a couple of years ago, um, my friend Javier challenged me to set the intention going into a ceremony that said, show me what I have not been willing to see. Ooh. And, I freaked out when I heard that and I said, okay, I'll do it. But, oh my God, that's so scary because I am so aware and I'm so willing to face my fears and my monsters and all of that. What could it possibly be that I have not been willing to face? Oh, God. and I was stealing myself. I was getting ready for the fight of my life. I was like, this is going to be huge and, and I'm going to come out of this bloodied and beaten up, but I can do it, you know. And I was <laughs> expecting, you know, this David and Goliath fight because I was thinking, you know, what monster could possibly be so large that I have run away from it when I have such a willingness to step into the arena again and again and again? Mm. Well, it turns out that it wasn't a monster at all that I hadn't been willing to see. It was my light. Oh, wow. It's the bigness of who I am and what I'm here to do. That's what scared me more than any monster I could have ever pulled out from under my bed. And that was a shock. And... And so, you know, 
really over the last few years, my ceremonies and my work um, has gotten less about sort of releasing my fears. And I've done a lot of that. So, you know, at some point you kind of get to the end of that. But what it's been really about has been leveling up and being willing to step into the onto the stage in a bigger and bigger and bigger way, because there's all of that who me, you know, that comes up and, and, and who am I to say, and what if I'm just deluding myself? And what if people criticize me and make fun of me and blah, 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 blah. And all of that has to be worked through. And in many ways, that's actually been far scarier um, than any fears that I ever released in terms of, you know, unworthiness and all of that. Um, and so every year I'm challenged. I think, oh, I got it now. I'm, I'm stepping up. I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm, just getting out there in a bigger way than I ever have. And then I go to Peru and then have a series of ceremonies where the plant medicine is just sort of like, oh, 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 you think, you think this is stepping up? Oh, no, no, here we go. You know, and uh, um, it just gets bigger and bigger. And then I, I kind of work through that. So this year, um, one of the things that I'm actually going to be doing um, is challenging my audience to step into their power in a whole new way. And you're kind of the first to hear this. So yay. Um, Because to tell you the truth, I'm not really interested in helping people get a Lexus. Now, if you want a Lexus, you can have a damn Lexus. No problem with that. But this is, this is about ascension. This is about stepping into your power in a way that, yeah, get a Lexus that, but that's like, you know, oh, I'd like to have a piece of gum. It is about that important. It is about that hard to get. Yeah. So, so think bigger, basically. It's about going way, way bigger than that. We are as a planet are on a, on a path of ascension and this is happening and this is happening now. This isn't some ways down the line. We are in it right now and people are waking up and, you know, you can fight it and you can make the choice to step into the reality that is full of scarcity and full of pain and full of suffering. Or if you kind of listen to what I teach, you might, you know, I just want to step into something nicer than that and yes. step into the reality where you are fully empowered and you actually know how this game works and you get to play it the way that you want to play it. You are in control of your experiences and not just to keep you safe. It isn't about surviving anymore. It is about thriving. It is about having fun. It is about going out and having those adventures and feeling completely safe to do so. It is about be- it's dreaming much, much bigger than most people have allowed themselves too because they've been stuck in survival mode and that's Mm, where we're at now and that's what we're doing and that's what I'm going to be challenging my audience to do and the book and everything I've taught up to this point has been the roadmap on how to get there but now people it's time to shit or get off the pot I love that and I keep thinking of that Marianne Williamson quote your greatest fear is that you're powerful beyond measure and that what all this really boils down to is trusting the universe and just sitting still and listening oh I love that so much that was brilliant Well, if our listeners want to learn more about you, you mentioned the YouTube channel and the book is Deliberate Receiving, but how else would they be able to contact you? Are you available on social media? I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. (laughs) So you can get, you can, I'm everywhere. Just like the universe. I'm always watching. No, um, I can see you right now. Uh, You can find me at my website, deliberatereceiving.com. You can, you know, you have all the links there to my social media, Facebook, YouTube. You can find me under YouTube, Melody Fletcher, Deliberate Receiving. You'll find it there. I have on my blog over 500 articles, not teensy weensy blog posts, articles um, that you can read. I have Tons of videos that you can watch. I've gotten 
much more into video in the last year. So there's more, you know, I put out a video every week um, where I answer somebody's question. You know, and you so if you if you haven't found your question answered, you can submit a question. I'll answer it in video. Um, so you know, you can find me on Facebook. I'm not on a whole lot of other social media because I'm like it's too much. But yeah. I'm on Facebook and I do actually interact with people there. So that's the best one to do. And I apologize for all you Twitter and Instagram users and all of that. Uh, I'm just not that big there. Um, and, and Snapchat and God knows what Whatever else they've come up with in the last is. 10 yes. minutes, Amen. you know. Um, but I'm still old school and so I'm Facebook and, and YouTube. And then, of course, you can contact me um, through my blog, uh, through my website. Um, and so if you want to find me, you shouldn't have a hard time to just Melody Fletcher or Deliver it Receiving uh, and you'll find me. Brilliant. And everyone, this will be on the bemovingforward.com website as well. So we will have that for you there. Melody, it has been an honor. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I can just feel the energy of your audience. And they're so beautiful. You guys don't even know. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. If you'd like to learn more about Melody or any of our guests, please go to bemovingforward.com. That's bemovingforward.com. Until next time, this is Kristen Nepper, Satnam. Now it's time for you to move forward and discover the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and bemovingforward.com. All rights reserved.